Welcome to your Actives Digital Brief Podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your digital and media editor. This week, we look at Right to Repair, an initiative to reduce the environmental impact of digital devices. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is Euractive's Digital Brief Podcast. Our guest today is Thomas Opsmer, Repair Policy Engineer at iFixit. So Thomas, we are here to talk about the Right to Repair campaign. Can you please explain to our listeners what, what this campaign is about? So the Right to Repair Coalition is a group of organizations that came together in December 2019. We currently have 46 organizations from 16 EU countries. Uh, those are NGOs, but also repair companies. And we have one common goal, which is to reduce our material footprint through longer product lifetimes. So we want more repair of products. We call a universal right to repair, which means that um, the right to repair should be applicable to all products and everyone should be able to repair their products. So we want as broad a range of repair scenarios as possible. Not only manufacturers or their authorized representatives should be able to repair products, but really anyone that wants to repair them, which means that also, for instance, spare parts should be available to everyone. People that want to have more information can find us on repair.eu. Can you please explain the extent of this problem? What's the environmental impact of electronic devices and how can we ensure that producers uh, don't make their product uh, disposable? So indeed, many people don't realize the extent of the impact that products have. When we think about things like climate change, many people will think about their cars, like transportation or the heating of our homes. But actually, the embodied footprint, so the manufacturing of all the products that we consume, that is actually one quarter of our footprint, and it is climbing. And what is also problematic is that it's not regulated on our side. So if we import a container of goods from, let's say, China, uh, the emissions that were created in producing those products, they will be uh, in China's uh, emission budget and not in ours, although we are actually driving these, these emissions. So that's one problem. Then we also have additional problems with conflict materials being used in those products. Um, so we know that uh, materials such as tin tungsten, tin, tantalum, gold, they are driving armed conflict. So they are actually uh, financing militias that violate human rights, that even commit genocide. We also have the problem of what we call critical raw materials. So these are materials that we really need also for a sustainable transition, but that we don't have enough of, and we don't get them back through recycling. So if you look at a smartphone, for instance, that would contain about 30 chemical elements, and about half of those have functional recycling rates below 1%. So it means that less than 1% of these materials can actually be recovered and used in a similar application. And these would include some of these conflict materials, such as tantalum, and some of these critical raw materials, such as neodymium, indium, gallium, etc., um, so it's really a huge problem that we have such short-lived products because we are really wasting energy and materials producing them. One of the latest issues uh, you pointed out is the fact that companies are using their software uh, to make uh, independent repairs 
impossible. Can you please elaborate on, on this and, and why companies are, are taking this uh, policy? Yes, so indeed we are uh, seeing a quite worrying trend lately, which is serialization and part sparing. So that means that spare parts that are uh, used in a product will have a serial number that is encoded in, in their firmware. And these parts will be paired to uh, the motherboard, for instance. So there will be a sort of integrity check where the appliance will check whether the parts that are in the, in the device are those that have been originally installed when the product was manufactured. And so this gives the, the manufacturer through the software in the device the ability to reject all parts that are not installed initially, whether they might be new original parts not installed, for instance, by an authorized repairer, or whether they might be original parts harvested from another device or aftermarket parts, which could be either from the same manufacturer or from a different manufacturer. So all of these parts are at this point being used in repairing smartphones but software might prevent them from actually functioning. Uh, and this is an increasingly prevalent uh, problem. We've seen it at the first time in 2015 um, with the so-called Error 53 story. So at that point, you had iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, which had been repaired by independent repairers, which functioned perfectly after the repair until the user installed iOS 9 upgrade, and then the phone was completely bricked, as we call it. So the phone just stopped functioning and there was no way to revive it. Um, so just that single part not being original caused the product to, be, to become completely non-functional due to software blocking it. And we've seen several uh, other instances of similar problems in 2017 and 2018. There were problems with screens that actually caused similar problems. And so we are seeing an increased proportion of these serialized and paired parts. So in iPhone 5, you had none of these. They first appeared in iPhone 6. And now in a current iPhone 12, you already have nine components which are serialized and paired in such a way. So for instance, if you swap out the camera from one iPhone 12 to another, it will no longer work uh, as it should. So why manufacturers are doing this? Well, it's hard, of course, to sort of make the process of their of their intentions. Um, there's certainly um, a strategy to have as much control over the product as possible during the entire product lifetime, which can be, of course, to have uh, more profits from the from the product across the lifetime. So to make sure that the manufacturer actually keeps the monopoly over the whole repair ecosystem of their product. So the digital and the green transitions, uh, often called the twin transitions, are on the top of the EU agenda right now. And this issue clearly shows an overlapping between the two and how uh, digital devices should be made more sustainable for the environment. What is the EU doing in this regard and what do you think they should do more? So what is happening at this point is that on a general level, we have the European Green Deal. So there's a very clear intention. Um, the document mentions that the need for a right to repair will be analyzed and consumers will be empowered to make informed decisions in the green transition. So the intention is there, but we still have to see how it will be implemented in practice. Um, so we are hopeful, but we're awaiting the, the precise form that it will take. On a product-specific level, what is happening is that we see eco-design being extended from the energy consumption 
of products to actually the material efficiency, so the lifetime of the products, and that includes repairability. And so we've recently seen the coming to force of what is called the winter package. So from March 1st of this year, washing machines, dishwashers, fridges, TVs, they are covered by a new regulation, which states that these products cannot be sold on the European market unless certain well-defined parts can be replaced by commonly available tools. The manufacturer has these parts available for a certain number of years, seven years or 10 years, depending on the type of product. Uh, information on how to replace these tools is available to professional repairs, etc. So that is happening on a very concrete level. And a similar regulation is underway for smartphones. So the project is ongoing. We have submitted feedback. Uh, we expect this in about a year or so, probably to have a concrete result. So on a product-specific level, this is underway. What is still lacking is we would really have need to have EU-wide minimum requirements for repairability and also probably a repairability label across all products, not just those that are regulated by eco-design, so that would be energy-related products. Um, and at this point, it's only the recent eco-design regulations, and we would really need something horizontal to cover all products. We would also need a more open repair ecosystem because at this point, the eco-design regulation only applies or only sets uh, requirements for availability of parts and information to professional repairers. But there's also, for instance, a self-repair option, there's community initiatives, there's refurbishers, and these at this point don't have any rights. So I'm a volunteer, for instance, at a repair cafe, and in that capacity, I don't have a right to obtain spare parts to be able to repair products. Another thing is that the repair information that has to be made available under these regulations is very basic. It only concerns this assembly, and it doesn't include circuit board schematics, which would be needed to do certain repairs. And lastly, and very importantly, we would need to address spare parts prices and bundling of spare parts. So sometimes a spare part is very expensive, or it is only available in an assembly that can be very uh, expensive. And this is addressed, for instance, uh, at this point in the French indice réparabilité, but it's not in any EU regulation of, or labeling scheme. So basically, at this point, a manufacturer could be fully compliant with all of the eco-design regulations, but they could offer spare parts at a price that could be prohibitively expensive. And in my own case, for instance, I had a failure of my washing machine and the circuit board that I would have to replace to repair the display, which was the original fault, costs, according to where I bought it, it would be half the price of the washing machine on the official German website. It was actually more than the original purchase price of the washing machine. So obviously, that's ridiculous. The spare part is available, but at that price, no one is ever going to buy it. Thomas Opsmer is repair policy engineer at iFixit. Thank you, Thomas, for being with us today. My pleasure. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free digital brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview on digital affairs in the world of European politics and policy. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. I'm Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.